Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach and Adam Rack. Hey, hey, where, where are you reporting from today, uh, Mr. Zachary? Oh, I'm reporting from the Hot Hive. You know the Hot Hive in Otherworld? Oh, the it's Hot Hive. <laughs> yeah, the Hot Hive. Uh, where, where that bee lady uh, lives. <laughs> It is I, it is not the place where Sheriff uh, Gia Whitechild uh, rules the land in what has got to be the most unfortunate naming in X-Men history, and that's saying something. It's folks, a wild, wild choice, folks. Uh, folks, if you don't know about uh, Sheriff Gia Whitechild from, uh, from uh, Teeny Howard's Excalibur, um, maybe go ahead and... Do a search with safe search off of that name and realize how big of a puddle they stepped in when they uh, named her that. This is this is a family friendly podcast, so we cannot (laughs) talk about it. But wow, oh wow, just misfortune was showering upon them. Zach, Jesus. So, I don't know about you, but I can't keep track of all of the different lands inside of Otherworld. It's sort of like... Luckily, there's a map now. There is, yeah, but previous to the map. I mean, there, there it's a Tolkien-esque uh, landscape of everything from fairies to giants to... Uh, it's fairytale land. That's what Jim it is. Jim Jaspers. And I, I don't know what's going on over there. So, does Jim Jaspers ever actually do anything with Otherworld? I, I don't well, actually he, know if he does. He's there now, right? He's Isn't there he on, now. He's on he his like flea market. market right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't think Matt Jim Jasper Matt Jim Jaspers was not part of Otherworld previous to this. No. No. He's no, just no. a Captain Britain character. <laughs> well, that maybe and, Alan Moore owns. Who knows? Yeah, well, it's very possible. Us now, I guess. But Yeah. So, uh, th- if you haven't guessed already, we are talking about Otherworld this week. Uh, who who made our uh, request this week, Zach? Uh, this request was made by Drew S. Drew S. went on over to uh, patreon.com slash Battle of the Adam and said, Folks, I love, I just love the energy you guys bring to the table week in and week out. <laughs> and I would love you guys to talk about uh, a story of my choosing. And if you like Drew S., would like us to talk about a story of your choosing, you can go over to patreon.com slash comicsxf and say, boys, I like what you're doing on the podcast. I like uh, the kind of great comics criticism I get from comicsxf mm-hmm. every single day. And I'd like to toss a couple of coins into your coffers. Uh, and at the $5 a month level, you get a story. You get a story on our list, and we'll we'll rank it, and we'll make a we'll make a silly episode out of it. Because I mean, <laughs> maybe maybe uh, this this Drew S said, you know what? If you guys you guys should talk about the other world arc of Uncanny X Force, and maybe 
Drew S. thought, well, we're going to get a whole Uncanny X-Force episode. Not so. You're getting an Otherworld episode. <laughs> we, like the Fae, kind of kind of get a little tricksy with you. That is correct. So this is Uncanny X-Force 20 through 23, The Trial of Phantom X. Um, it's, it's also Rick just Wynn. called Otherworld sometimes. It's it's poorly handled. Depends. Depends, right? Uh and we've got Rick Remender, of course, writing this. Um, but we have a change in art duty. Who is the artist on this arc, Zach? The artist on this arc is Greg Tocchini. And I think I think this is probably the most notable thing of this arc, uh, mm-hmm. is the art. That's something that a lot of people remember about it. I do not... I want to be clear, because we're going to... Spoiler alert. We're going to... I... I don't know about we... I am probably not going to have great things to say about this art. I think Greg Tocchini is a pretty good artist in general, and this is just absolutely the wrong fit for him. Like, you look at any of his other work, like on Low with Remender or other uh, other covers and stuff he did. Fantastic artist. Yeah. Uh, not here. I- we definitely got to give props to uh, colorist Dean White on these four issues because it, it really looks as if Dean is working off of almost raw pencils here because page to page things go from very, very loose to, you know, there are some pages that are a little tighter, um, but it does seem like a lot of the heavy lifting is being done by the painterly work that Dean is doing with his digital colors. It's- so you say, you say that, you say that, Adam... And yeah. I didn't have this prepared to trick you, uh, but I did uh, run into it. I, I just pulled up some of the pencils, or mm-hmm. not pencils, but some of the inks from this. Some of these inks are pretty tight. It, it depends on the page. You know, that's why you get the sense that Greg is rushed in certain places and then other mm-hmm. places. Um, it It's strangely, while it looks incomplete to a certain degree, it also has this dreamy quality to it, this this expressionistic quality to it that does kind of work with being in this environment. It's one thing that I truly do love in art and one of the things that really works for me in general. There is an intentionality to the work being done here. Well, the the trial that's taking place, of course, we never... This is happening pretty much right after Dark Angel Saga. And Phantom X is being put on trial in Otherworld by the Captain Britain Corps for assassinating uh, the Ensabanor child clone, uh, which is yeah, sort from, of the thing that the entire series revolves around. Which I don't think we've actually covered that story. Oh, Really? Okay, well, no, we've done I don't Dark Angel. So. Yeah, we've done Dark Angel. We've done Angel. Dark Angel. We did that very early in the podcast. Yeah. Uh, in Uncanny X-Force, I am not I am not a large fan of Rick Remender's general body of work. I do think more or less Uncanny X-Force holds up, but this is this is the weakest link in that chain. In fact, I just because I was googling things and it came up, I have found 10-year-old Reddit posts of when this or of this book being when it came out, people being like yeah, this art. Um, I, don't, I don't know what happened here. This isn't. This isn't Opeña or Acuna or Ribic. <laughs> uh, this is or no, something no. else. Yeah, but I I like that. Remember, keeps these thirty five issues all tied back to that first inciting incident. Like it is 
a story that really does work in that way. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling with this specific arc. I understand that the point is Betsy is kind of the focal character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's let's throw her into a very Betsy heavy environment. But I'm not a hundred percent convinced that Rick Remender had read any story featuring like Captain Britain after 1990. <laughs> well, that's the big uh, question uh, at, at hand here is how much does Rick Remender actually know about Otherworld and these characters? Because... To be fair, Otherworld <laughs> is ill-defined in general. Sure, I... <laughs> sure. I think the first mistake that this arc makes us uh, try and accept is that um, that Otherworld would care about what Phantom X is doing here. I don't yeah, think that's okay. the case. Because... We've seen one Captain Britain Corps trial before. Mm-hmm. And that was like a pretty big deal. Brian, what are you doing? You gotta you gotta get your stuff together and actually be a Captain Britain guy. Right. Like that, but that was, was that was a Captain Britain. There's really no reason for them to be interested in Phantom X. No, except for he he shot a kid. Listen, Captain Britain's a, there's a Nazi Captain Britain. Like Yeah. They Merlin and Roma and Saturnine have flexible, flexible morals. Like, you cannot convince me that Opal Luna Saturnine sitting there like, well, this one kid in this one reality did get shot. No, it doesn't work. Um, so the fact that that is sort of the propulsion here uh, is weird. Um, what also is weird is that, like, there's little things like, um, for instance, Widget is flying around here uh, in his original noggin form. That makes... If- zero sense if we recall widget eventually got like things widget fixed the days of future past and that was that was the big thing because widgets actually cape fried from the days of future past right Um, not a little robot helmet anymore and also widget had a different body later Mm -hmm. a different alan davis body later Uh, (laughs) and then also also some other stuff about witches that we'll get into by the end of this episode uh that everyone and their brother has forgotten about but like that's that's weird Jamie Braddock is alive again and is now like, oh, I'm actually perfectly sane and a good guy. And my issues was that I was mentally ill, but I'm better now. Jamie offers Betsy her original body back and the mantle of Captain Britain, which is... No, not of Captain Britain, of Lady Britain, which is incredibly insulting. (laughs) But, But just that fact alone, the idea of offering her... The Betsy body back, uh, which she does not accept. She ends up wearing, which is never really addressed. It's like, hey, I could just, you know, you know how you, you know how you stole a Japanese lady's body, Bets, <laughs> and you've been kind of joyriding it around. Well, I'm, I'm one for joyriding. Don't get me wrong, but I could, uh, I could fix this really easily. Isn't brought up again, except for to say he could do it, and then Betsy absolutely doesn't take him up on it, which is. No wild yeah just gets dressed up i also am not a huge fan and we've talked about this character before but weapon three is here the oh, you're talking uh, about the skinless man the skinless man and we we get the skinless man's origin and why the skinless man hates phantom x um not skinless a fan man of this character maybe, skinless man may be the worst weapon plus character and i am in- <laughs> easily okay i'm sure I'm actually sure that there is a like a Weapon X character who is 
equally as bad as the skinless man probably this probably. one's not great um um it's it's also weird that like brian i i can see brian braddock being very protective and upset about his sister mm-hmm. he's a real jerk in this one. Oh yeah like by more brian so than Braddock's usual standards yeah hey want me to tell you what happens this is a four issue arc do you know what do you want me to tell you what happens uh in publishing uh literally halfway through this arc oh what i don't know what's concurrent oh brian braddock joins rick remender's secret avengers which is the avengers black ops squad uh (laughs) as the leader of the avengers black ops squad and he has the audacity to be like psylocke you shouldn't be doing black ops (laughs) i've never read remender's secret avengers except for the avx tie-ins because it sounds bad i didn't even know that was a thing wow oh bud we got to talk about the heroic age at some point Well, no, so he's being weird, and then they're all dealing with this... The goat. The goat, which is actually, not the greatest villain of all time. The goat could be really cool. The goat flies around on this, like, floating time travel disc and, like, turns all of these people magically into his zombie horde, which is pretty awesome. And the design of the goat with the, like, he's just basically a goat man with a third eye and a big robe it's kind of cool unfortunately this gets sort of like a dumb time travel thing involved where it turns out that he's really just jamie from a different from this this jamie it is it is very explicitly not just a jamie it is this very specific jamie who in the future makes a deal with a goat demon gets possessed by a goat demon and then has to take over the Starlight Citadel to infect every other reality yeah. with goat demon thing. And here's the thing. I, I, I think about stakes when it comes to superhero comics. Because we know that the Marvel Universe, the DC Universe, any universe, like, they still got to publish next month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- I think there's a certain level of low stakes you can do. Like, oh, these stakes this isn't enough for me to be invested in the story. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain level of these stakes are insanely too high. Like <laughs> to the point where I don't, I can't be invested because you're saying, Oh, billions upon billions of people are dying every second. And brother, that's not a number that any of us can comprehend. So I'm just sitting here scratching my head. It's also just an excuse for Remender to go back to the original moral quandary because Brian has to kill Jamie so that he can prevent something happening in the future to future Jamie, which is, you know, what Phantom X is on trial for. So the idea that Remender is spinning this, you know, this four issue arc just to reiterate the theme again, it's a little convoluted. It's it's not subtle and it's not effective. And so how it result, Jamie can't or Brian can't do it. He can't bring himself to murder his brother. So Betsy mind controls him and forces right. his body to do it. And it's supposed to be an incredibly tragic scene. Mm-hmm. It might be one of the funniest looking pages <laughs> I've ever seen. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Greg Tonici draws him with like a derp face. <laughs> the, he's like, the... oh, my brother. <laughs> and he's crying. And yeah, it, the expression isn't great. It's It undercuts any potential emotional impact that could happen in that scene. Mm-hmm. Also, it's weird because Jamie just like Brian Braddock is one thing. Jamie like just 
wasn't around for a while, and then you bring him back as a completely different character, and, and then, then he's gone again. Then he's gone again. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't get it. There's other weird stuff in this, like Betsy goes to a troll to <laughs> yes. trade something that we don't find out until the next arc, but it's her emotions. Which mm-hmm. is a really weird choice because Remender doesn't even commit to that through like his next few issues that she mm-hmm. lost all of her emotions. Wolverine is dealing with the fact that that Nightcrawler from AOA is not his Nightcrawler, which could be a good story beat that just never really goes anywhere. Yeah, it's the same thing with AOA Nightcrawler and Megan sort of having this attraction, but they're not, you know, they're not the people that each other knows. At the expense of a weird homophobic joke in the middle that I wasn't expecting. I was like, I know that it was in the past. It was 10 years ago. And at least 10 years ago, we knew that that was like, guys, we were being told to to tone it down. Like, I'm not saying it didn't happen and it wasn't commonplace. I am saying that folks, folks knew enough. It it was like culturally big enough in the zeitgeist. We got to tone down with the weird, like homophobic like oh i kissed a man jokes we gotta stop with that guys yeah. uh rick yeah. bud i get so, it so uh this is okay i it's certainly not up to the par of the other uncanny x-force we've talked about it's uh, the, so it's the worst sh- uncanny x-force story yeah we by, should rank like, this a margin we should we rank things on this podcast right that is correct yeah we rank things on an ever-expanding ever-growing big Old list of all of the x-men stories of all time we have 621 stories on this list that we're ranking wow. from best to worst the best x-men story of all time is the house of x and powers of 10 by jonathan hickman pepe laraz and Barbie silva number 100 x-men black emma frost great issue good job friend of the show leah williams number 200 is power pack 19 guess who's coming to dinner number 300 on this list is x-factor they keep killing madrox Number 400 on this list is the X-Core arc of Uncanny X-Men, where Bishop does a little bit of... Not Bishop, Banshee does a little bit of a fascism. Bishop's kind of always doing a little bit of a fascism, so it's it's not weird when he does it. When Banshee does it, it is weird. It's just because Bishop's a cop. Uh, Number 500 is Day of the Atom from X-Men 157 to 160. Uh, That's the story where we find out about Zorin's identical twin brother, Zorin. Uh, mm-hmm. Number 600 on our list is X-Factor Special, Prisoner of Love. Uh, and the bottom story is the Draco. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this might be a 500 story. At 260 or at 226, we have uh, X Uncanny X-Force 19.1, and then also the first arc of the Age of Apocalypse spinoff series. And I think that series is better. But I Wait. think this is probably better than 483, which is Uncanny X-Force Volume 2, Let It Bleed. Yeah. 1 through 6. Mm-hmm. So I think we're I think we're between those. If four yeah, four hundred is X core, and this is better than X core. I think you'd go that like, high. Well, like four twelve is Deadly Genesis. This is better than Deadly Genesis. This is better than Monet Vampire Hunter. Yeah, that's true. Okay, this is better than Apocalypse War. Uh, I don't think we need to go that much higher than X core. No, I think Death of X is better at three ninety four. I think Generation Hex is better. Yeah, at 396. 
I um, think, yeah, the X-Men versus Hellfire and Nimrod at 398 is better. Okay, at 399 is the Lord Darkwind saga of Daredevil. <laughs> I think this is better than the Lord Darkwind saga. I would agree. So this is going to be our new 399. This is going to be our new 399. It's uh, the Otherworld arc of Uncanny X-Force. Probably probably didn't think we were going to go that low, did you? Well, nah, it's just, the, just okay. Uh Get get through it to get to the other stuff that is that still does more or less hold up in that run, even if it's not perfect. <laughs> That's right. Now we have two other stories that I don't think are as well read as Uncanny X Force. Where are we going next? I'm gonna let you decide, Adam. Where do you want to go next? I would we're like staying to stay in Otherworld. But... Yeah, we're gonna stay in Otherworld. I would like to go to something that I did not realize existed, which was Excalibur Volume Two, a four issue miniseries by who? Oh, it's by Ben Robb and uh, Pablo Riamondi. Ben Robb had been writing Excalibur Volume 1 until, like, right before this. Very strange. There may have been, like, a year gap now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, when did Excalibur... When did Excalibur Volume 1 end? 19... Oh, no, there was a couple year gap. Because Rob ends Excalibur in August of 98. Mm-hmm. And then comes back for Volume 2, and this is released December of 2000. Okay. So there's a, there's a gap. This is a weird book. Very weird. It it seems to be sort of launching a new era, but um, it's just a mini, so it's unclear as what that new era is going to be. And really, the thrust here is just find a way to make Captain Britain Captain Britain again. Yeah, it's this is weird because if you're looking at when this came out, December of 2000, in my mind. That likely means like they were when they were doing their planning, they're like, okay, so we got this counteract stuff going on. Mm-hmm. We got Claremont coming back for revolutions. We got some stuff going. Let's have Excal- an Excalibur coming, waiting in the wings as like one of our follow ups. And we'll really hit this art. Oh no, all of these books are bad. <laughs> right, right. Grant, please save us. <laughs> um, like that, I will. I will say the premise, the the like secret premise of this is kind of neat. Um, if you are a classic Captain Britain fan and are invested in his origin story, because um, it appears as if Roma is basically setting Otherworld on fire um, and trying to merge the two things that Captain Britain had to choose from when he became Captain Britain, which is the... Uh, amulet of right amulet sword of might right and uh, they call so... the sword of might excalibur in this which it isn't excalibur is a different sword excalibur is also not the ebony blade that the black knight who stars in this miniseries has they are three separate swords that often get confused for the same sword like yeah the, there is the... a there is a note about that off the wikipedia page for it it's like these are all different other writers were just <laughs> they were they just finally, wrong they made them all different it's fine this one's a special sword we do have an interesting lineup here uh as you mentioned black knight from the avengers is here uh Psylocke. and from and from those uk hulk stories where there were black and white uh captain britain and black knight uh other world stories oh, that i have not interesting read. oh wow yeah there's a there's a whole arc with them like being friends because they're both the knight characters yeah um megan is here sort of in a skin tight silver costume she now has elemental powers and i feel like she well she always had like the metamorph powers i feel like the elemental stuff was there in some of the earlier stuff maybe this is the first appearance of it i don't know 
I honestly don't remember. I'm not that like familiar with Megan, but we also get Captain UK and Oh, that's Linda McQuillan. Uh her entire world was destroyed by the fury it kills superheroes. And who there's another Captain Britain here briefly, right? I can't remember his name. He's another Captain Britain. He's Crusader X. There we go. Crusader uh, X. He's Crusader X from Excalibur. Tw- it's from the end of the cross time caper. Uh, yep. It's it's the cover. Yeah, it's the cover where they're all hiding under the thing from the cover of Excalibur 1. So if you like Captain Britain lore, the idea that the twist here, and we're going to spoil this. Um, so I guess if you don't want spoilers for a book that came out in 2000, 2001, don't. That you, you hadn't know. heard of until right now. <laughs> uh, the twist is that Roma is not Roma. Roma is mastermind. No, not that mastermind. Tell them who mastermind. different one. <laughs> yeah. It's the mastermind that was the computer of the Braddockses that definitely, like, suicided Brian and Betsy's parents. Also, Betsy's in this one. Betsy's on this Excalibur team as Psylocke. Yeah, Crimson Dawn Psylocke, right? There's she, was, some... she was going through it at the time. <laughs> Her tattoo glows in this mini. I'm like, wait, what? She gets <laughs> so... a laser sword. It looks okay, actually. Uh, <laughs> oh, the sword looks yeah, great. sword looks great. Honestly, we say that there's a team. They go and fight an army while Brian does the actual mission. Like, this is a Brian solo so- story that there's other characters in. Uh, but we find out that Mastermind masterminded this whole plan involving the warpies mm-hmm. uh involving all of these captain Brittany things for reasons well he wants to merge the uh amulet and the sword and yeah, to, then like control other world or whatever right yeah he's gonna he's gonna control the the uh multiverse you know with with these this this weapon and his army of transformed warpies and uh I mean, if you're into Captain Britain stuff, like you probably look at this and it's kind of cool because Captain Britain does take up the sword again. Um, there's this very weird thing of Captain Britain having like flame version of the Union Jack on his face, which I don't quite get. That's that's a weird design choice um, and, and saving the day. Uh, there's more weird widget stuff here. Yeah. So we find out that all of this, all we know from the beginning, all of this has been kind of sort of orchestrated by widget but like alan davis returns widget not og widget uh and then we find out that's not addressed until the very end where it turns out widget and kang were orchestrating all of these events never brought up again ben rob does not write another comic for marvel (laughs) it's such a wacky little uh add-on at the end because widget shows up early in the series with I think some of the transformed warpies to attack Excalibur. Yeah, the super warpies. And then disappears. And, and there's really no explanation for that whatsoever. And then at the end, we get this scene with Kang. And it's like, wait, what? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I, I didn't hate this. I mean, it has like a, a kind of a middling Excalibur volume one kind of feel to it. And I think if, it, if you're a fan of Captain Britain, which I, I'm not usually... Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Captain Britain or Captain Britain lore, but I appreciate it just because of its absolute depth and how confusing it can be. This this is kind of fun. The art, which is by... This uh, sure is a Ben Robb comic. Yeah. The art is Pablo Raimondi with inks by Walden Wong. It's just okay. It just kind of feels like house art. Yeah, 
I mean, the, the art does what it needs to do. I struggle with this one because Ben Robb, I feel like, gets Captain Britain lore kind of, sort of right. But then, like, it's just... The weird, the weird trying to work everything together in one cohesive story from the very beginning, Captain Britain stuff that no one cares about, all the way uh, to including the Alan Moore and Alan Davis stuff that people do care about because it's good, actually, mm-hmm. uh, and all the Excalibur stuff. I don't think it all works as a cohesive whole. I also don't love the ending where Brian Braddock takes up both the Amulet of Right and the Sword of Might to become... Uh, the king of Otherworld? Right, yeah. He's he's going to rule Otherworld now, which seems out of character. Brian, Brian doesn't want to do that. No, not absolutely not. He, but he's living up to his father's whatever. I kind of don't love the actually <laughs> my father's secret. I, mean, I know that's like old school Captain Britain stuff that we just got to deal with that technically they're like Otherworldians and mm-hmm. all of that. But it's... It's just messy nonsense that we don't need. And frankly, Psylocke's got enough... Betsy Braddock has enough messy nonsense going on with her (laughs) that we could cut off the... And also, she's part of a race of fairy people. Yeah. It's... She's she's a King Arthur person. (laughs) Uh, I agree. I think that the mythology is is there, you know, to try and get those deep cuts in. But um, the the character does feel a little bit strange at the end of this. Cause it, it never struck me that the motivation was there to take on that mantle in that way. So the good deed is returning the warpies to themselves and, uh, they can, you know, live out their Great, lives. I, happily. Didn't, I didn't know that the warpies had any problems that needed to be resolved. I, I, I thought they were that. just chilling, but, uh, now you left with this, this, uh, setup that doesn't get followed up on. So, um, you know, when is the next time that Brian shows up? That's a great question because is it is it the I think it's the new Excalibur, the Claremont new Excalibur, maybe maybe that would make sense because you know there really isn't an Excalibur series between there. I always assume well, there actually is an Excalibur series between there, but is there? There's a volume it. three. Well, the volume are you talking about volume three? I'm talking about Excalibur volume three, baby. That's not really Excalibur. That's like. Weird you say that's not really Excalibur. It is called Excalibur. I, I'm talking about the characters. It's like right, 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 right. Weird Adventures on Genosha, whereas New Excalibur is like Captain Britain right on the cover, right? Yeah. Okay. So he. Oh, okay. He goes from here to JLA Avengers. Well, I mean, that would just be a cameo. Probably. I've not read JLA Avengers. Oh, he goes from here to not showing up for four years and then reappearing in. Uh, an Avengers run that Adam, I don't know if you know, you know, Chuck Austin wrote the Avengers too, right? Yes. Okay. I never, never Austin. read it. But... It's in Chuck Austin's Avengers where there is a new Captain Britain chosen, except for she chooses the sword of might instead of the amulet of right. And she becomes Lionheart. Fun, I guess. But I bet it no, probably ignores, she... but it probably no, ignores this continuity. She gets, she gets a very tragic backstory where her children died tragically. Oh God. Of course. Listen, listen, Chuckles, I'm glad you're doing well now. I'm glad Brian Braddock is doing well now as Captain Avalon, and I'm glad that Betsy is Captain Britain and living her best life. Should we rank this weird kind of bad story? <laughs> yeah, I uh, don't think this is as good as the Uncanny X-Force. What do you think? Uh, other, 
Otherworld has a purpose and a theme, and it's dense and dumb, but it is it is trying to do something where this is a comic about comic book histories. Yeah. Like, it, it's a comic about other comics, not a comic about the form of comics. It's a comic about, hey, do you remember these forgettable Captain Britain comics? <laughs> I appreciate what it's trying to do. I don't think it's successful. Um, oh, no, it's absolutely a failure at what it's yeah. trying to do. So I think this but is, it is trying. Lower than 450, which is Firestar. Is this worse than Muir Island Saga at 457? Yeah. Probably. So. Um, I mean, I probably in the same, do, like... Do you think... I want to hear... Oh, I see what you have highlighted. I think we have a difference of opinion. Because you have highlighted the King Hyperion stuff from Chuck Austin in his yeah, Exiles. Exiles, yes. I think those... Are, I got... I like those more than you, to be fair. Well, it's okay. Where? How low would you go here? You think this is better than Wildcats X Men? Where is that? That is. That's a four ninety eight. Man, we just keep. Put... Here's the. That is probably too low. <laughs> the pro... <laughs> okay, hold on. No, because Wildcats X Men is one good issue, one great issue, two fine issues, and one bad issue. I. It's d- really I... all over the board. I'm we're looking just thinking at... about the Travis Cheris stuff. Fine. Uh-huh. I'm looking at what's above this, and I do think that this is probably better than some of this. Um, like, X-Men Search for... Mechanics? S- yeah, I think this is better than Mechanics, but I don't like Mechanics very much. I don't like Mechanics either, to be fair. Yeah. I okay. Thrilled for the lesbians, not thrilled for Chris Claremont's storytelling after 1990. No, that's a, that's a messy one. So, 487 is X-Men The Search for Cyclops, better or worse? I don't, I don't think this, those are very similar. Yeah. I don't think it's as good as the four issues of X-Men from Age of Apocalypse. Age of, it's, it's not. Oh my gosh. But I think that Nova Roma story, the one shot of New Mutants 62 is mm-hmm. better than this. Okay. Uh, so what is Marvel team up volume three, number 19? That's cable. It's a cable story. Probably better than this. Yeah, probably. This is exactly as good as Spider-Man Team-Up number one. I agree, and I'll probably give the edge to Spider-Man because I like Spider-Man better. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I love, I I like me a Brian Braddock, Spider-Man's former alcoholic roommate. <laughs> Y'all know Brian Braddock was Spider-Man's roommate for a hot second? <laughs> ah, the Marvel Universe. Spider-Man got so mad because Brian had a drinking problem. That's canon. Hey, that that's great. I mean, maybe he can advocate for his buddy. You know what I mean? No, he just yelled at him and said, Brian, stop drinking. You're a loser. <laughs> Go do <laughs> physics, nerd. <laughs> Spider-Man calling people nerds. Oh, boy. We got to talk about someone else with a drinking problem, though, Adam. Uh, you mean me after I read this last miniseries? <laughs> What's well, our third story of the day here, Zach? With apologies to our good friends, Dan Grote and Liz Large. Uh, I ain't apologizing for crap. This is terrible. (laughs) We're talking about Wisdom Max. (laughs) This is a six-issue miniseries by Paul Cornell. Uh, Trevor Harsin does some of the issues. Manuel Garcia does some of the issues. And then there's one other artist who I should have written down. But I forgot to write down. Maybe there's not, and I've just, it's just the two. No, it is just the two. You remember, Adam, you remember, I like to, Adam, I like to think we've had very successful bits on this show. Sure, sure. You remember the worst bit we ever did? The Scrolls bit. 
The scrolls bit, yeah, the scrolls bit. You remember, you remember how in that story we talked about uh, Captain Britain and MI thirteen. We did one through three, the Secret Empire. Also, also er, written by, time. also written by Cornell. Cornell. This is this is a lead in to that, yes. or that is a sequel to this. It's a Marvel Max series, which means it's a Marvel series where they can they can say a cuss. Well, can we talk about this for a second? This is the third Max series that we have covered. Right? Second, it's only oh, it is the third because X Men Phoenix Legacy of Fire Thank became you. a Marvel Max series for the second two issues because they realized they had put the most gratuitous book out there and just didn't say a cuss. All right, so what can you do in a Max book? Say a cuss. You can. Here's what you can do in a Max book. You can do Alias, which has its flaws but is generally like a book that wants to like wants to be a book tackling actual adult themes mm-hmm. that you would not necessarily be able to do in a Marvel comic otherwise. You can do a Punisher Max where you're leaning into again this is a very gritty, very dark like this needs to be an R-rated story because we are telling we are telling a story about an incredibly broken and violent man. Or, or, or you can do the most juvenile stuff possible. <laughs> Thank you. I would try to... People talk about, let's bring back Max. No! No. Did you Absolutely read very... You want Alias back. That's not. what you want. You think... You want Alias back and you want Punisher Max back. And here's the thing. They'll still make those exact comics. They just did a Jessica Jones comic not that long ago. And guess what? They did everything except for write the F word out in four letters. And you already know what that word is. So maybe just like fill in the blanks if you want on that very specific. The only thing they won't do for whatever Puritan reasons that Marvel does. This is what drives me nuts about this is that we have this label that's been put on the front of the book. And wow, we're really going to like get adult and, you know, no holds barred. Well, what does that actually mean? You know what I mean? Like, okay, there's a couple of sporadic curse words. There's some allusions to sex, but they can't even show a nude body. When they try to, it's always covered up by something. And it's just, it's similar to Phantom X. We, again, are in a situation where the writing just results in the exploitation of the female characters. I Well, it was was 2007 and Adam, it was bad. I know. But I was I was talking to some people and I, I truly believe like 2003 to 2006 might actually be the worst across the board comics ever were. It's it's rough, man. Um, and this is this is dealing with the uh, this is still on the tail end of that. Yeah, it's it's hey, the CCA was bad. The Comics Code Authority was not a good system and resulted in a lot of issues. We had some growing pains when we got free of it. absolutely yeah Mm. absolutely so people uh i i I actually just went on dan groats uh our friend of the show and colleague from uh comics xf he has his podcast with matt wmq and a i was on there which if you guys uh noticed oh yeah we just we just did a feed drop of their interview with steve fox about x-men 92 house of 92 uh, go check that out if you may have skipped that over. It's a great episode. Dan and Matt are great. Yeah, do not miss that episode. I was listening to it today trying to answer the 
insanely difficult <laughs> trivia questions. And I grew up in the 90s, so uh, try your hand at that. Um, but uh, Dan is doing like a, a bonus thing on uh, his Patreon about Pete Wisdom. Um, it's called My Son Pete. And I, I recently guested. And I feel like I was way too nice. You know what I mean? Because uh, we were talking about a Wisdom? Random- yeah, we were talking about a random issue of X Factor in the early Ellis run, and it, it, it just was like, okay. But this is what drives me nuts about this character, and this is why Captain Britain and the MI-13 didn't really drive me nuts, is because characters like Pete Wisdom and, let's say, like a character like Deadpool, they work best when they are the punchline, when they are the punching bag for the rest of the team to make fun of right which do not make to his credit ellis tends to do in his excalibur work and and i sure credit where it's due i guess um here here actually hold on hold on regarding my previous statement about warren ellis we don't have to give it to him i'm i'm retracting that we don't actually have to give it to warren ellis i'm glad you rewinded there um the problem with this series is you're trying to make that side character who deserves to get kicked down a flight of stairs into your main James Bond character. And we run into these situations where to save the world, Pete Wisdom has to have sex with Tinkerbell, you know, or Pete Wisdom is going to go down on his lady friend while they're doing recon. A spy thing. And it's like, really? What is this crap? You know, and we get to the culmination of this story. Uh, I guess we should give some kind of plot synopsis here before I spoil the ending. Sure. Do you want to do Pete the honors? Wi- um, let's let's see. So Pete Wisdom does marry a fairy lady uh, to stop a war between Otherworld and Britain uh, because the Fae have been attacking, and the king of the Fae, Oberon, uh, has a daughter who doesn't really like him, and she's a she's a punk girl. And Peter Wisdom does does uh, marry her, and there is a big splash page where Peter Wisdom's uh, how do you want to call it? His jack staff is being covered by some leaves and all this stuff. And he's like the things I do for England and all of this, and it's like okay, fine, I get it, I get what you're doing. And then the rest of the book is about how Pete Wisdom has this team in MI13 of all these super people, including John the Scroll, who's a, one of the Scroll Beetles from right. Fantastic Four. Yeah, which is, listen, listen, it's a good poll. That's a good poll of the time that the Beatles were scrolls in Fantastic Four. No beef against John the Scroll. Uh, and then Captain Midlands, who's uh, not done to his full potential. He's like an old WW2 guy, but weird about it. Uh, and a few others, including a lady who is a telepath named Maureen Raven. Uh, they do a couple of different adventures. They fight the they fight the dragon from Wales, and mm-hmm. they make a bunch of Welsh jokes, which. I don't know uh, Paul Cornell's background, but I'm not I'm not British enough to have any enjoyment out of expense at the Welsh. Like I just like okay, I don't I don't. This is a whole issue about jokes I don't get. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Uh, also, drop some racism on Shang Chi, uh, whose guest stars in that issue. It's like, is this necessary? I don't know. That is also bad. Yeah. Yeah. All this goes on, and Pete Wisdom has a conundrum because. He's married to this fairy, and if he doesn't stay faithful and married to her, her dad's going to get really mad and cause war all over England, which would be bad, 
But also Pete Wisdom's horny for the single mom. Uh, this culminates with uh, a multiversal Jack the Ripper slash H.G. Wells War of the Worlds attack. in which I feel like Paul Cornell's trying to say something about Britain, but he's either not saying it well enough or I'm not versed enough in British culture to understand what he's trying to say. It's one of these things where... Like to illustrate his point in, for instance, the, the, the villain who is summoning the Jack the Ripper from the multiverse is like very misogynistic, but to illustrate his point, he has to actually like say all of these misogynistic things. And it's just, it seems like it's an excuse for those things to be printed out onto the page as, as opposed to a criticism of, of the character. Um, especially in a, especially because the rest of this series, it's a Mac series, so there is a lot of shock value stuff in it. Uh, yes, and uh, I'm going to spoil the ending. To save the world and to save jolly old England, Wisdom has to basically take his girlfriend up on the roof and shoot her in the back. I mean, it's like, okay, you know. Also, his girlfriend's Killraven's mom. Like... <laughs> The 70s Marvel character who was doing an H.G. Wells? <laughs> really weird detail, right? Very, just, I don't know enough about Killraven history to have any impact on this, but my understanding is he's from What If World of, or War of Worlds uh, worked, and the Martians weren't, like, allergic to, it's not water, germs. Yeah. Or whatever. Water's the sixth, seventh, se- signs. That that M. Night Shyamalan classic. I just don't think this works. I get the appeal of the character as sort of the dopey British loser spy with the hot claws or whatever. I, I get it. But again, I don't think it works when he's your main protagonist and you're supposed to be rooting for him because I can't root for this character. You know, I don't know if I'm supposed to like him or hate him. Like the book doesn't commit. Give nope. me a direction to commit. Like. Listen, Teeny Howe's Excalibur commits. It says Pete Wisdom is a brute and he sucks, but he's going to be on your side at the end. Like, and you're you're going to want to root for him. Right. There's an element other, of him that's other goofy runs, and lovable. Other runs will be like, actually, Pete Wisdom super sucks. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to have to, like, you're going to not like Pete Wisdom. And that's okay, too. He can be an antagonist. When you're walking this weird line, but like, this guy is the worst. He's like what if James Bond was in real life, but also you got to root for him. And you're like, yeah, no, he's still fictional. I don't want to root for him. <laughs> I don't enjoy this comic. This is not great. No, I don't either. And and just from a logistical, like, you know, craft standpoint, there are things like the second issue, which really don't make a lot of sense. It's it, poorly plotted. And, and, and it's very difficult to follow the story in some respects. So, and that's not because of like, you know the the accents being written out or anything like that it's just the way in which the pages are leading into one another it is very cornell, cornell is trying to do a lot of non-linear storytelling mm-hmm. which i can appreciate and understand and i very much enjoy a lot of comics that do that sure he does it bad which is the biggest problem <laughs> like the the risk of non-linear storytelling if you do it bad is that it doesn't make any sense it, if you do it good, it's great and can add so many layers to a story. But he does it bad. 
And any tool that you use in terms of storytelling is going to fail if you do it bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't have much else to say. I mean, I feel like I've gone on my rant. Um, we've spent we've spent some time talking about Pete <laughs> Wisdom Max. I don't think this is good as at four sixty the London Hellfire Club. No, that's better. That's better Pete Wisdom. Um, do you like this better or worse than the story we just talked about, Excalibur Volume Two? I'm gonna say worse. Yeah, I think I am too. It's um, just it's. I think I think it it might succeed at some craft elements better than Excalibur Volume Two, mm-hmm. but I like it less. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 508 is Mystique 1 through 6. I think I like that better. Yeah, me too. At least knew who I was supposed to be rooting for, you know? Is this better or worse than at 538 Emma Frost 1 through 6, Higher Learning? I think I'm willing to give it credit to say that it's better than that. Um, it's probably it's probably on par with that New Mutants arc we talked about last episode. Yeah, that's at th- 5, 5.36. Or 535, uh, yep. 535. Uh, at 532 is Onslaught X-Force X-Man, and Onslaught X-Force X-Man is a better comic book than this. Yeah, I would agree. Maybe from a craft perspective, you know, I know we were talking about sort of the illogic, but the, the art is not terrible everywhere. It's probably in the between here, right? 533, 534, which is Quest Probe. Quest, Quest and, Probe's better. Yeah. The random video game tie into a video game that never came out that got reprinted in Marvel Fanfare is in fact better than I this. think I like the artwork in Sabretooth and Mystique One Two Four as well better than this. It's like more stylistic, more interesting. But that story was that also kind mutants, of a mess. That new mutants arc is significantly more racist. It is. Um it also does have some beautiful Bill Senkevich art in it. Um But I think I'm willing to give it this the edge so that would make this our new 535 yeah it's our new number 535 i do want to point out that the bills and coverage part is the racist part <laughs> not all of it but yes uh we we, we did a good job of going in depth on that we already episode. covered it we need we need to not think about the gladiators anymore uh pete wisdom max is 535 and that's it i want to thank drew s drew i don't know what you expected uh, but I really hope that the Patreon support that you provided us was absolutely worth this fun time where we talked about Otherworld. Adam, do you think it's incredible that now we just, like, we know things about Otherworld when previously it existed for 40 years and we were like, yeah, it's <laughs> Magic England? It's kind of a teeny's, like, crowning achievement that I now am invested in what is going on there at all. Like, uh, I think, <laughs> I think some people, I think some people underestimated like, Oh, it's just all this other world stuff. Y'all other world was bad before this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Other world yeah. became good in 10 of swords creation. <laughs> no, Excalibur, probably Excalibur one by teeny. Yeah. That one's pretty good actually. Uh, but other world wasn't good. And now it's good. Mm-hmm. So we need to embrace that we're about to get a book that's uh, that's Captain Britain and her wild, weird knights doing wild, weird stuff in Otherworld. And we don't have to worry about anything else. Like, let's go. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Knights of X. All right. So uh, what's going on at Comics XF? Uh, we're, we're doing stuff. We're writing stuff. We're reviewing stuff. We're talking about stuff. I am writing again. Nice. I'm I am. I am on our X-Force beat. Oh, cool. So, cover an X-Force now. 
still enjoying that book. Listen, I like dad comics. X Force <laughs> is, is a comic about morally ambiguous people dealing with their morally ambiguous actions. Mm-hmm. Adam, what are you doing? Uh, folks can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. I believe I have now been. I, I don't think this is a rotating thing. I think I'm doing Moon Knight coverage with Armand. So I did the first week last week, and by the time this comes out, I think we'll have covered the second episode. I haven't watched it yet because it comes out tomorrow while we're recording this, and I'm. We should get screeners. Disney, send us screeners. (laughs) That would be great. Cover more of it ahead of time. Um, So Moon Knight, a show that my wife likes more than me, which is she likes very frustrating. She likes the show more than she likes you. No, she likes the show Moon Knight more than I like the show Moon Knight, which is really frustrating to me. A guy who for years was very excited about Moon Knight and showing her like, how do you not love these covers? And she said, I don't get it. I don't. <laughs> well, I don't know what this is. Zach. Th- those covers did not have Oscar Isaac, um, so that maybe part Declan of Declan Shalvey. Hey, Declan Shalvey art is great, but Oscar Isaac eye candy is a different thing. So just you know, keep that balance in your in your mar- in your brain. You know what I mean? I guess I'm 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 going for an Oscar Isaac vibe <laughs> these days. Obviously, look at me. That's I right. Definitely look like Oscar Isaac, and not the guy that Patrick Stewart's character played in the old Dune movie, but from the other one that Oscar <laughs> Isaac was in. You've lost me. All right. No, no, no. You remember Dune? Dune the oh, movie. Oh, oh yeah. Halsey. Everyone likes it. I thought it was mid. Uh, you are wrong. I'm not. Uh, it's. Best movie of 2021. Let's fight about it. Whoever the 2021 (laughs) version of Patrick Stewart's character is. That's the vibe I'm getting. Josh Brolin? Josh Brolin? Okay. That one. Like that. He played cable. I should know him. (laughs) You're forgiven. What are we talking about next? It's a bad movie. Did you say Dune? I was talking about Deadpool 2. Oh, thank you. Okay, go ahead. Dune's fine. Uh, Dune has more artistic elements. Just stop. Just stop. What are we doing next week? I was really bored about Dune. God. Uh, next week we're going to talk about uh, the Arakim and their sand traditions. As we no, we're talking we're talking about Cyclops. You know him. <laughs> I, I'm going to say it right now. The character of Cyclops is a better character than uh, Duncan Idaho. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I'm, I'm glad we won that one. Uh, but that'll be fun. Until next week, folks. This has been Battle of the Atom, and we hope you survived. The experience. Get it! Adam, why did we talk about Dune? <laughs>